If you're the CEO of Shopify or the president of Shopify, I think you have two different voices shouting in your ears. One is merchants being like, we need these services. You need to work harder. Everyone do better. And the other is investors and shareholders being like, what are you doing? You have monopoly power. Increase price. Why are the prices the same that they were five years ago? The service is better. All of these, like go increase prices. And as somebody who's like, has a little bit of both, I'm sort of shouting out of both sides of my mouth where I'm like, hey, I want you to offer more services and keep my prices low, but also make the share price <laughs> yeah. go up a lot. I understand where they're coming from. I'm surprised it took so long. And I don't understand the structure that they came out with. I would have come out with a structure that's like 12 more months of the pricing you have, then increase in prices. This is Limited Supply, the place for refreshingly real takes on what D2C is really like. We're your hosts, Nick and Moyes. Let's start talking about money. Hey, boys, a couple weeks ago, I saw this company ProMix launched a protein-packed Rice Krispie Treat. I don't know if you've heard of them, but the coolest part was after I purchased, I immediately got an email from Postscript Cash Back, and it gave me $15 of cash that I could redeem on my next purchase, which I used as soon as my first box of bars ran out. Have you seen this before? Yeah, it's Postscript Cash Back. It's a new product for them. It's amazing. Uh, Postscript is really known for SMS, but this Cash Back product actually increases email and SMS signups by 31%. It increases contribution bar- margin by 5%. It's going to be huge for Postscript. That's amazing. If you want to see a demo and see how the product works, visit postscript.io slash limited. That's postscript.io slash limited. All right, Nick, here we go. We're on episode eight of season seven, Limited Supply. Uh, We got a bunch of stuff to talk about. Usually we record about a week early. Right now we're just recording 48 hours before this episode goes live. A couple things that uh, we wanted to chat about. One is we're going to talk about Shopify. A few things have happened in the last couple of weeks about Shopify. Um, Another is something uh, that I found really useful when it comes, when, when you start thinking about gross margins and selling into brick and mortar stores. I think there's this website that I didn't realize how useful it was and it is really useful. So I want to talk to you about it. And finally, something about prepaid credit cards, which we touched on before, I think a different episode, but I think it's really relevant. And so I want to go over that as well. And we also have the CRO stuff. And the CRO stuff. Yeah, I forgot about that. That's right. Uh, Okay, great point. Let's get into the Shopify stuff then. Okay. So I'll, I'll start. Shopify you know, sent an email to their merchants saying, hey, price increase is happening unless you lock in a three-year lo- oh, contract. If you lock in a three-year contract, you get like a decent-sized discount where your prices will stay relatively similar to where they're at today. But if you don't, prices go up materially. Did you see that email? I saw that email, yeah. Where were they? In- like, you know, I don't have a Shopify store. Where were they increasing prices the most? Was it the monthly fee or was it like the percentage that they take? Where was the highest price increase right there? To be honest, I'm not actually 100% sure. Let me pull up the email right now. I believe it was in the payment processing fee. I think that went up. I I think the monthly fee went up like 800 bucks or something from like 2,000 or 2,300 to 2,800. And then there was a monthly, yeah, like the processing fee also went up once you hit a certain amount of revenue. As I understand it, every biz, every like merchant got a slightly different email. I'm not sure entirely sure was the, this was the case, but I think they wrote like, "Don't share this email with anybody." And so all of the merchants that shared it, like you know, wouldn't want their name used. But I think they, I, I think everyone might have gotten a different one. I'm not entirely positive. Yeah, I'm not a hundred percent sure. What do you think drove them to do this? I guess my first thought was Vista Equity Partners. That was my first thought. <laughs> Your voice saying Vista Equity Partners. 
Okay, so I found the email. So, you know, at Shopify, our mission is to build the leading commerce operating system. So basically the 2023 standard rates on a three-year term, which would keep the same pricing as what was there before, has $2,000 a month for the monthly platform. And the third-party transactions, if not using Shopify payments, is 0.15. That goes up to 0.2. The monthly price goes from two grand a month to 2,500 a month. The payment fees are also changed. So today they're 2.15% plus 30 cents for domestic charges. They're going to change to 2.25% plus 30 cents for consumer and 2.95 plus 30% 30 cents for commercial. And then for Amex, uh, it actually goes down. So right now it's 3.15. It goes to 2.95. And then in person with the terminals, it goes down from 2.4 to 2.3. So basically, it's the monthly fee goes up 500 bucks, and yes. the credit card fees goes go up 0.1% for consumer. Unless you sign a three-year contract, right? Correct. If you sign a three-year contract, then you keep the same rates, basically. If you sign a three-year contract, do prices remain the same, or is there still a price increase? No, if you sign a three-year contract, prices remain the same. If you don't sign a three-year contract and you continue to go with plus, then your uh, processing fee and your monthly fees go up. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess there's a few things to mention here. One is this really applies to plus and not like lower ends as far as I understand it. I didn't see this email going out for people who are on like yeah. Shopify Advanced. So what did you think of the email? Like, you know, did you think this made a lot of sense for Shopify? Tell me like where your where your thoughts were. It was timed right around when they dropped the winter editions, which just came out. Did you see any of those updates? Yeah, a little bit. Tell me what those updates were, though. So the main updates that I thought were interesting, one was combined product listings. So, you know, you just have a bigger parent skew. You know, think if you have body wash, and you have different sizes and you have different scents. That's all basically under body wash versus the different scent of body wash. Subscriptions are now natively integrated. Single page checkout is the new standard. Shopify checkout is now available to be used in a mobile app, which I thought is interesting. Shop Pay also now works anywhere. So it's live on Everlane's site, which is not a Shopify site. And then you can now sync reviews from your site, you know, using Okendo into your shop, uh, into the shop app. So you can uh, sync reviews. Those were the main updates. But honestly, with this email, I feel like it caught people off guard. Like, I don't think anybody was expecting this. There was no sort of messaging or communication of, hey, you know, we're updating our systems to do X and therefore we need to charge more. Like, there really wasn't any justification for the email. Uh, It just kind of came out of nowhere. And I think a lot of people too were, like, I remember seeing it on Twitter because people were just like, wait, is this real? This just came out of nowhere. I had several thoughts. One was, I thought that this might mean they were going to like miss earnings because it came out right around the time that they were releasing earnings. And usually when you, you announce like layoffs or an increase in prices or something, right around the time that you're announcing earnings, you're like, you're going to have a little bit of trouble with your stock. And so like mm-hmm. an increase in prices is going to make it go like, you know, like uh, sort of buffer the fall. Here, there was a fall anyway. I, I don't think, I think Shopify beat earnings, like what, what the street expected, yeah, but the well. stock is still down 11% over the past five days, which is a lot. Like, you know, we're talking about $10 billion off their market cap wiped out. So that was a little bit surprising to me. The second point that was surprising was I was like, why are you doing the same pricing for a three-year contract? The reason that a, a Shopify Plus store 
is going to get off of Shopify Plus if they go bankrupt, basically. Like, why, why are you trying to lock them in for a three-year contract? They're not, what are they going to go to? Magento, big commerce? You're sort of the only game in town right now. So I'm not sure what the benefit is for a three-year contract for them. It's not like they get all the money up front. It's not like they're like, hey, we're going to charge you $2,000 a month for the next three years. You need to pass that $100,000 right up front. They're still charging you on a monthly basis. And so that was a little surprising to me too. I didn't understand why they wanted a three-year contract for basically what is a very solid position that they have. So I didn't understand the rationale of it. I'm actually a little bit surprised that they didn't do this much earlier. When we had Harley on at the podcast, on our pod, like this was probably two years ago, one of my questions to him is, why have you not increased pricing? Like it makes so much, like, you know, you have basically monopoly power at this point. And like everyone's talking about switching to Sendlane or like, you know, certainly that's a, a buzz on Twitter. And the switching costs from like Klaviyo to Sendlane are like pretty high. You have to spend a lot of time redoing your emails and getting, you know, redoing all of your flows, all that kind of stuff. The switching costs from Shopify to another e-commerce platform are massive. Like if you're on Shopify Plus, you probably aren't really thinking about switching. If I were the a customer emerged on Shopify Plus right now, I'd be like, let me just sign sign the agreement. Like Worst comes to worst, I go bankrupt and I don't have to honor the agreement anyway. Best case scenario, I just save money. Like, you know, I'm paying the same pricing for the next three years. It's not like I was going to go from plus to, you know, something else. Right. Yeah. No one's planning to leave Shopify. Yeah. Yeah. Very few people are, especially on a plus stage, because like that's probably a successful business already paying, you know, $25,000 a year in Shopify fees. So I really didn't understand. Like, if they want to increase prices, increase prices. I understand why you'd want to do that. You could even say, look, we're going to give it to you one more year at this price. Next year, prices go up. I think this is one of those like instances where it's really hard because if you're the CEO of Shopify or the president of Shopify, I think you have two different voices shouting in your ears. One is merchants being like, we need these services. You need to work harder. Everyone do better. And the other is investors and shareholders being like, what are you doing? You have monopoly power. Increase price. Why are the prices the same that they were five years ago? The service is better. All of these, like go increase prices. And as somebody who's like, ha- has a little bit of both, I'm sort of shouting out of both sides of my mouth where I'm like, hey, I want you to offer more services and keep my prices low, but also make the share price <laughs> yeah. go up a lot. Right. So I think it's, um, yeah, you know, I think I understand where they're coming from. I'm surprised it took so long and I don't understand the structure that they came out with. I would have come out with a structure that's like 12 more months of the pricing you have, then increase in prices. I would have thought that because they were trying, they're, they've been trying to make a bigger push behind the in, in-store point of sale systems. I would have thought they would have been a lot more competitive with that, with those rates, uh, but they, they're not. I go back to the same thing, which is like, um, what are you going to do? So you have like, like if you're Allbirds and you're on Shopify and you have your stores and you're on Shopify, you know, you're on Shopify Plus, you're using their POS system too at your stores. Like, don't you want everything integrated? Do you really want to have a different POS system that you have to pump into Shopify? It just seems like they've got so much monopoly power there that they could increase prices. Like, you know, I, I'm, uh, yeah, I, I think that like maybe incentivizing point of sale system. I think if you're a brick and mortar store on Shopify, you're already using their point of sale system. I know a few brands that don't just for the connections they can get outside to other tools or or loyalty mm. systems and whatnot. But, um, an but yeah, I think you're right. Uh, there's one brand called Mixology, Mixology Clothing. Uh, they don't use Shopify POS. And it was because some connection into like reporting tools and or loyalty programs. 
Okay, makes yeah, makes sense. Uh, you know, I went to Viore over like uh, 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 like the last couple of weeks, and I, I like bought something from their store. And I was like, "What POS system is this?" And they're like, "Yep, Shopify POS." And I was like, "These yeah. guys are like, you know, this is a four billion dollar brand. Last time it raised money, you know, powered by Shopify Online and Shopify POS." I'm just surprised, like that the price increases. Like, you know, what? Like, think about if you're Viore. What you, you know? Are you going to even hesitate one second? You're like, yeah, I'm in this. Like, you know, three more. You know, it'll probably take me 12 months to migrate to another platform already. So, uh, a three year contract doesn't seem like it's that crazy. Um, no, I think it's also like you know the Shopify guys trying to be like good people and being like, look, we're not going to screw you with really hard price increases. Right. Subscribe and save. <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah, exactly. That's right. That's what they're doing. I think the problem is that like it just doesn't make any sense. Like if you're going to increase prices, increase prices. Don't say that people who sign a three year contract, which is going to be everybody, to get the same price and uh, get the same price. Yeah, because it it's sense. basically you're just verbally agreeing to stay on Shopify. It's not like you're paying up front. So. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, you signed a contract, but if you can't honor that contract, chances are it's because your business is bankrupt. So no one's going to like no one's going to hold you to it. Totally. Okay. Um let's move on to this other uh, company that I found out about. Actually, I found out about it at a dinner with you and a couple other guys um maybe a few months ago. It's been on my list of things to talk about and it's Fair. F A I R E. And uh, I don't know why I, I like I'd heard of Fair, but I didn't really know what they did until the dinner that you and I had. And then like the guys that were there were like, "This is what Fair is," and I was like, "This is insane." I had no idea that this existed. And can you sum up what Fair is for people? Yeah, Fair is essentially a wholesale channel. So the same way that you know, think about if you if you own a restaurant, you find your distributor, and you know you, that's where you buy your vegetables from, or your sauces, your your uh, plates, and whatnot. That is basically what fair is for other mom and pop shops all around the country uh, and some marketplaces too. So they'll basically go on fair and look for products to source and you know stock up on their shelves. And then they're essentially placing orders from you, the brand, in higher volume units. So you know, instead of five, five headbands, you're now selling 500 at a time. Was this the dinner at Don Angie? Uh, no, it was the one at Medusa. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so you're right. So basically, it's like a website for you to find boutique stores that will sell your product. And rather than selling right. retail, you're selling it wholesale, and hopefully they're buying, you know, you can set the minimum order quantity. And uh, what's a little bit crazy is two things. One is sometimes the minimum order quantity is so low that, a mer- like, you know, just as a regular retail customer, you could get the wholesale discount. Like, <laughs> I was looking at these, like, fellow, you know, fellow, they make, like, these, like, they, they make things for like coffee and tea that are like really nice. Okay. They sell them at William Snow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they're selling nice them half. Yeah, they're selling them half price at um, fair. And uh, you just have to, you have to order $350 worth, which is basically like two items anyway at William Sonoma. So if you're wow. going to buy two items at William Sonoma, you might as well go to fair and get four items yeah. uh, for the price of two items. And I was like, this is silly. And I look, you know, I spent too much time like thinking, should I do this? Like and get the discount. And I was like, this is not life hacks. Well, it's also not worth the hour of my time to figure that kind of stuff out to do that. But like, what's more interesting to me was that you can find out the like, usually the price that you sell into a retailer is a really closely guarded secret. Like the price that native sells into Target, nobody knows except the, except PNG. Like, you know, it's not information that like Unilever will know or have access to. And it's, it's not information that will really reveal. And you like, you know, the P and G does this thing where they say equal prices across all retailers. 
you're, if, when we're selling native deodorant into Target or Walmart or CVS or Whole Foods or any, but we're not Whole Foods, but everyone else, we will charge the exact same price to everybody. There's no discounts to anybody. Like this is the price, take it or leave it. And so like, you know, FAIR gives you this insane window into what your competitors are selling at wholesale prices. And also a little bit of like, how much are they selling? Because I think on FAIR, you can sort by like, you know, best sellers are like selling really well. And so, you know, I went to, there's this a, a deodorant brand called Salt and Stone, which sells for $20 on FAIR. Their wholesale price is $10, 50% off. You know, you can buy wow. Graza, like the olive oil. Like, you know, if I'm Brightland, remember Brightland with like, and Graza had that like Twitter blow up a while yeah, ago. Yeah, the, the um, squeeze bottle beef. Yeah, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, whatever it was. But like, you know, uh, if I'm Brightland, I'm like, what is Graza wholesaling into at Whole Foods or for, to other people? I can find out on uh, fair.com. And so it's this ins- like, you know, something that I always thought was a very closely guarded secret, which is the price you wholesale into at retailers is widely available on fair and like all you need is basically a gmail address to sign up for it and so yeah. i just you know i signed up as a as i signed up and said hey i have a boutique store let me see everyone's prices and you know five seconds later i'm like okay salt and stone is selling for ten dollars on fair that's crazy and i think their moq is 10 which sometimes people would buy on our site 10 sticks at native you know yeah. and i'm like okay they could have gone fit you know i bet people are buying salt and stone they're buying i bet somebody's bought 10 sticks on amazon and they could have gone to fair and saved half off. This is also too where uh, you get competitive Amazon sellers with your own brand though, is people who buy the stuff at wholesale and then repackage it. You know, they'll take that salt oh, and stone, yeah, yeah, they'll make yeah, a yeah, three yeah. pack of it in their living room and sell it on Amazon for, you know, five bucks off and pocket what, 25 bucks in profit. Oh my God. Yeah. Or just forget it. Just buy it at $10. If it sells at 20 on Amazon, sell it for 15, sell it in for like, you know, exactly. and, you may have like a, and you get, you'll get banned. I'm sure you'll get banned. Uh, like, you know, they'll say, don't sell to this guy anymore on fair, but, um, you'll if like, you know, buy you. a thousand. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. I both hate those people and now want to become <laughs> one of those guys. It's like, you know, you know, when you're driving we sometimes- next weekend, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Create a button. Yeah, sell stuff on it. But like, you know, when you're driving sometimes and you got to merge into all, everyone has to merge into one lane and there's always yeah. that asshole goes all the way to the end and merges right in the front and doesn't yeah, have to yeah. wait in line. I'm always like, I hate this guy. And then I'm, sometimes I'm like, let me be this guy. He just saved five minutes of his life. Right. And that's exactly how I feel about this, which is both that is like terrible. I hate those people. And that's happened to brands that I've been affiliated with. And it's, it's so hard to get like, you know, to, get back your Amazon rank, like to get back your Amazon buy box from these assholes. But also look, you're selling for $10 unfair. And it's tw- like, you know, make it so you sell on $15 unfair. All of this probably isn't worth it. If there's a totally. 50% margin, it probably is. At 33%, it probably isn't. So like, you know, you, or 25% it isn't. So you got to like, you should be more conscious of that. I'm surprised that more people don't do that. When we bought Long Weekend, we realized they had a pretty decent fair setup. And like people would just DM photos of the product in store. And we had no idea who these people were. They would DM. Pro- oh, because, uh, okay, gotcha. Because they were selling they a lot of long weekend through fair. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. And so how, like, you know, how much revenue were you doing? Like, you know, as a percentage of revenue, were you doing 10% of your sales on fair? Probably. That's a, like meaningful, actually. Yeah. And the cool thing with fair too is like, if you can, uh, so like that guy who came to dinner with us, Ben, his agency, Brand Caffeine, they do fair growth as a service. And basically he was saying that, you know, most of the game is like getting in front of these people and then just maintaining and building that relationship. 
if you can do that, you can basically build a pretty reliable sales channel, uh, you know, without having a real salesperson. I wish we had a sense of like how big are big brands on fair? Like, you know, are the, yeah. uh, like is a brand doing $10 million in sales on fair? Is there a brand doing $25 million? Are they all a million dollars or less? Like, I don't really have an understanding of that. But uh, really interesting how much information you can get. Like, I, you're right. It sounds like a great way to get sales. It sounds like a great way to leave your flank open and have someone steal your Amazon uh, buy box. And it sounds like a great way for your competitors to realize what you're wholesaling at and then work towards that as well. Totally. I did buy something unfair and I had a terrible, like, you know, and the thing is the first time you buy something, they give you a discount code too. So I was like, let me buy something and see what it's like. What'd and, you get? Um, Something so embarrassing. I'm not even going to talk about it. I got it. And I was like, oh, this is fucking terrible. I got the, I'll Damn. talk about it. It's actually like, I wanted to get this like glass little bottle that held matches because it like looked adorable. And I have like candles in my house. So I was like, okay, yeah. let me put this near the candles. And then the, bo- the glass bottle ended up being this big instead of like this big. And it looks terrible. <laughs> oh, like two of them came broken. It was a terrible experience. But Damn. You know, you get what but you, was I was like, I get what off. I pay for. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got the 50 percent off and two of them are broken. So I paid full price. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's awesome. Okay. Should we do the audit the website or the prepaid credit cards? Let's talk about prepaid credit cards really quick. Yeah, yeah. Let's do the credit cards. Let's talk about it for a minute. Nick, Postscript is sponsoring this podcast, and I'm so excited about that. Uh, I'm an early investor in Postscript. In fact, I think I was one of the first checks that they received when they graduated Y Combinator. Um, When they sponsored the podcast, they told us to talk about their cash back product, which is amazing. I know I've talked to Ben at True Classic Tees. He really loves their cash back product. You know, but I don't really give a shit about that. I want to talk about what I want to talk about, which is they're so good at SMS. You know, Postscript is what Native uses for SMS. Uh, We signed up really early on with them at Native and really loved it. Unlike Attentive and Klaviyo, Postscript really focuses on SMS. They don't do email. They don't do anything else. So they're best in class at that. Um, They created this amazing on-site opt-in for text messages. So you don't have to go to another page when you're signing up for text messages if you're using Postscript. I remember when they launched it, they had this amazing launch party. I talked to Cody about it, Cody at Jones Road Beauty. He said that uh, when they launched it, it increased their signups for mobile signups by 82%. Uh, They saw 3x the revenue beyond their initial forecasts. It's really fantastic product. I really love that Postgres focuses exclusively on SMS and not on email and all this other stuff. If you're thinking about adding SMS or switching SMS providers, you should think about Postscript. Go to postscript.io slash limited supply to learn more. One of the things that I think about is, do you remember Hubble Contacts? Like no one talks yeah. about Hubble Contacts anymore, but they existed a really long time ago. And uh, like, can you tell everyone what Hubble Contacts was? Yeah, basically Hubble was the same way that, you know, Harry's took shaving and made it direct to consumer or Warby Parker did that for glasses. Hubble did that for contacts and they were probably the category creator for it at the time. And um, they raised a ton of money. They built a huge business. And what I think you're going to talk about is what I think is some of their best work, which is basically how they continued to charge cards and, you know, keep their subscriptions alive. Yeah, yeah. Um that all of that's right. Um I know the guys somewhat well. Uh they like they named it after the Hubble telescope. I read that somewhere. They didn't tell me that, which I thought was interesting. And yeah, they sell contacts direct to consumer. And uh their offer, like they were really smart about testing offers. And like today it's pretty common sense to test offers. I think they were like, you know, back in 2015, 2014, 2016, it wasn't common yeah, sense. Super aggressive. And so 
they were like, okay, what works better? Like, they're like, should we offer no discount? Should we offer completely free for your first month? Should we offer $1 for your first month or $3 for your first month? And so it was like free plus $1 shipping and handling, free plus $3 shipping and handling, no offer whatsoever or free entirely. And it turned out that free plus $3 is what worked out best for them. So basically wow. your first box would be free and you, you charge $3. Now what? they're like, if we have $3, we have better retention than $1. So we charge $3 or like lower CAC or something and better retention. So they ended up charging $3. Like, you know, again, this was uh, five, seven years ago. And so this wasn't really that uh, clear, but today there's so many, like, you know, you can, you can get credit cards that change numbers or prepaid mm-hmm. credit cards pretty easily. And so when you make a purchase, you don't like sign up for a subscription because you only have like a one-time use credit card that disappears after you make the purchase. And so like, you know, that got me thinking about all these like welcome offers. You could sign up for a welcome offer and when they go to charge your card again, the card doesn't work because you've done like a one-time card. And like, the, you know, at Hubble, you could go and say, let me get, you know, two months of contacts for $3 or like, you know, a month of contacts for uh, $3. You can go to Harry's and be like, let me get my first razor blade and handle for $3. And when you go to charge me again, my card doesn't work. I'm surprised this isn't more of a ramp. Have you heard of this problem at all? Or it's not really a problem? Yeah, I don't think it's that big of a problem. I mean, I'm sure it happens. I... I feel like it, it's never come across to me where, you know, it's like, oh, we have a huge amount of these issues. General fraud or chargebacks is, I think, a different issue. But as far as like prepaid cards, uh, I feel like that hasn't become a huge issue. You use prepaid cards? Well, not prepaid cards, but I use this credit card called X1. And in the app, I can just make like a, uh, they have what's called like a trial card. So it's like, basically it'll charge once and then it will never charge again. And there's also like a 24 hour card. So it'll be active for 24 hours and then immediately kill itself. So I'll use that sometimes when I sign up for stuff and I just know I'm trying to take advantage of the intro offer and never want to be, you know, dealing with it again. Yeah. So let's be clear. And this is, that's exactly the problem I'm describing is X1 and you. Do you see this a lot though? I see it a little bit. I see it a little bit, and I'll tell you two things that I see uh, happening. One is I see it getting more rampant as more car- like as soon as American Express says, you know what, we can also we'll also generate a one-time use card, we'll yeah. also generate a twenty-four hour card, a trial card. Uh, and two, I see it more amongst millennials than I do the older demographic. So I don't think a fifty-year-old woman is going to be like, let me take advantage of this trial offer with a one-time card and let me get sign up for an X one. I do. Yeah. I've heard of a 27-year-old guy with a hat that says Loverboy on it doing it, you know? And so um, I do think that it'll be a problem as there are more millennials that become shoppers and they have more and more purchasing power. And uh, this, this, like, you know, the cards proliferate, these types of cards proliferate. And so I'm surprised it hasn't become more of a problem today, but I think it will become more of a problem. I don't know how to solve it. Like on Stripe, you can say like, I don't accept prepaid debit cards, but I don't know if that means you don't accept like one-time use cards. Well, the the tricky part is like in order to even, I mean, unless like the way credit cards change in order to, to even check is like, you would just have to run the card twice basically and put like a second payment hold of a dollar, which... Yeah, maybe that's the way. But that wouldn't limit the issue of like a spend threshold on the card. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Or, or also like, okay, you, you charged it twice. So that also doesn't limit the 24-hour thing because like, you know, now it's been more than 24 yeah. hours. That card blows up. 
Like there are still a lot of ways to get around it. I'm happy to see that it hasn't been a big problem. I think it will become a bigger problem. And if anyone's listening and has had that problem a lot, uh, please reach out to me on Twitter. I'm curious to see if there's like this secret problem that we're not aware of. One idea that just came to mind, I don't know if this would work, but like, let's say you, you know, let's say you just sign up for Athletic Greens. You know, it's a subscription only product. You sign up as soon as you finish checkout. What if you get a pop-up that says, or actually, no, this wouldn't work for subscription. If it was a one-time purchase, you know, let's say you bought Armra, for example, and a pop-up just came and said, you know, do you want to prepay your next one today if you get half off, you know, when it comes again, and then it becomes a subscription or something like that, some sort of an offer to get you in. Yeah, I think that's a worthwhile test that somebody should run. I think also like a lot of people, the converse of that should be if someone signs up for a subscription and write it right after they check out, they probably shouldn't be able to cancel for 24 hours. And actually, I'm not sure if they shouldn't be able Ooh. to, like playing devil's advocate. Like, you know, I yeah. bet a lot of people are like, let me sign up and cancel all like just to get the, the same session. Off. Yeah, that's right. And so I wonder what, what would happen if you're like, look, you have to come back tomorrow to cancel. Hmm. There was like um there was a mattress company called Lisa Mattresses and they would say they would offer you like a 100 day return policy and if you contacted them within the first 20 days they're like look you have to use it for at least 40 days or 50 days I forgot what it was before you can Oh that's smart. And uh, the New York Times is like no we want to return it right now and they're like okay we'll take it back relax. The one thing I remember thinking when um I ordered a Buffy and even when I ordered like a mattress was a lot of the companies in the betting space, they say you have this exorbitant day or night guarantee to return it. The second that thing comes out of the packaging, you're just like, there's no way I can put this thing back in. <laughs> yeah. Like, I wonder how many people want to return it, but never will because it looks impossible to do. Yeah. And like, the effort, like you know, one of the best parts about a deodorant business that's $12 is people are like, I want to return this, but I don't care. Like, you know, it's too cheap to do it. So, like, yeah. you know, I'm sure with mattresses or like with sofas or like, you know, with big furniture, you're just like, this is too much of a pain in the ass. I'm going to live totally. like this forever. Especially men. <laughs> yeah. I feel like men are going to be like, I can't deal with all that work. I've got a bunch. Yeah. Of, in fact, I've got a bunch of furniture and boxes in my living room that I don't like, but is never going to come out. And it's like way too <laughs> late to return now. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's switch gears and talk about the CRO. So the goal here is to do a CRO of a website. I reached out on Twitter and asked for people to volunteer. So we, I chose a volunteer. And this, you know, the person who reached out to me is like, we've been doing this since, I don't know, I, I think they've been selling for s- some time now. You know, they volunteered, it's opt-in. It's not like we're going to fuck with anyone that like, you know, doesn't want to be uh, examined. And the, the site is called pfcandleco.com. Did I send you that already or not? No. Okay. So yes, I wanted to do it together. And it's like, there's just the two of us. And I, I've taken a quick look at the website, but it was a couple of weeks ago, not really anything recently. And so I wanted to do it together so that like we could see what the other person spotted. Um, are you on the site? I'm actually, I'm on their Google page, but now I'm on their site. Okay. And again, this is um, you know, somebody who uh, volunteered to do this. I'll tell you the first thing that I see. On, okay. and like, you know, I'm looking at desktop and not mobile is the call to action on the hero page is so hard to find. Like it's all the way on the left. It says explore now. If you click and drag the banner, the second banner is actually just an empty like Shopify yes. image. Yes. It's a slide title. Um, yeah, the, the, the CTA here is not clear. 
you know, I'm going to quickly pull this up on mobile. Even on mobile, it's not very clear. There's also no social proof uh, as soon as you land. Usually above the fold, I like to see some social proof. I think the banner image here or the hero section goes down probably 30% more than it needs to. Also at the top, there's a lot of confusion. Like there's no, generally across this whole site's design, there's no real hierarchy for your eyes to follow. And so the problem is like people get overwhelmed and then we'll probably just leave. But um, like there's no journey here. It doesn't feel like you're walking into a store and you're being told where to go. You're kind of just looking at like a marketplace of the products they offer. So um, yeah, I think the CTA on the homepage could be much better. I think, you know, even adding a customer quote next to the candle that talks about the scent, the photography here is, could be better, I guess, you know, uh, just standing out more, maybe even adding some ratings here, you know, like you got three candles here, maybe tell us about them a little bit more. Anything else you'd add on like the first hero section? Yeah. Uh, so the photography, I do like this matchbook on here. It looks like very vintagey. Yeah, it looks um, cool. I kind of like I, I like the where they're going with the photography, although it might not be the best photograph I've ever seen. Yeah, I think the hardest part for me is like the um, call to action button. And you're right, absolutely. That like you know, there's a slide on the hero image, and then it goes into a blank spot. And you know, this company's been owned and operated since 2008. I think they've had this website for a decade. So like, you know, you can't have an empty hero image. The other thing I would say is that there's a lot of like a lot going on. Like there's a chat with us on the bottom right. There's a referral program on the bottom left. There's a handicap button on the bottom left. There's a scrolling thing at the top, which gets me a little bit confused because I'm like, what am I reading? Wish you were here. Mm -hmm. And then the like, wish you were here, the archive collection. I'm not sure what that is. So I, I think you're right. On the hero side of things, there's just a lot going on and probably a little bit overwhelming. Even for me, and I'm used to seeing these types of websites, like chat with us, referral and handicap all at the bottom, that's a lot going on at the bottom. Yeah, I agree. And I, I, I doubt a lot of these things get real engagement because there's so many options of things to click. On the note of product photography, the best way to think of it is uh, your photography should basically look like at any any time the photograph was taken, it, it all should look like it came from the same shoot. And I think also just have, you know, Cadence is actually probably my favorite example for product photography. Just brightly lit, clean backgrounds, easy to see the products. But over here, there's a lot of like conflicting photography styles, which also doesn't build yeah. that trust perception trust. Yeah. when somebody's coming to the site. Yeah. That's fair. And you also don't know like what kind of brand is it? Is it like vintagey? Is it like, you know, moody? Is it like clean? Like what is it when there's different types of photography going on? Yeah, there's also a cool section, the PF difference, but it's pretty far down. Uh, like you, you see information about the stores before you see the PF difference, which I think is probably worth bringing up, maybe even designing in a bigger way so that it's easier to understand. Yeah. And then I think the navigation is another big opportunity. You know, you're not really being directed to go anywhere or anywhere to start. And then the last call out I'd have is I doubt a lot of these icons on the top right get clicked, but the cart for sure does. And uh, it's completely empty when you open it. There's no suggested products or upsells or customer reviews or anything encouraging you to go back. Wow. Uh, I've never thought about doing like putting stuff in an empty cart to get you to buy stuff. Maybe you should just yeah. start popping. If someone hits a cart without anything in there, just put stuff in it. Yeah. 
put your best seller in it. No, I don't think you can do that. But that is really interesting. Just be like, you don't have anything in the cart. Here's what we recommend. Here's our best seller. That's a great idea. Agreed. Uh, well, yeah, it's your idea. So I'm sure you agree. Uh, <laughs> the um, Okay, let's go to the collections page. I went to sh- new to the PF collection. So it's basically collection slash what's new. Okay. I like this page. Like, you know, it's a much easier to understand collections page. Although, like, I'm not sure the sort. Uh, are you there? Are you on that page too? I'm here. Yeah. Okay. Like the sort is really big and takes up a lot of room. I'm not sure if sort needs that, that, much, that much room because it like brings down all of the other images. I sort of like what they're doing with like a clean background and then you this hover over effect, which gives you the background of like nature. That's, inter- that's interesting. It helps me understand the brand. I like that they have reviews on the top few uh, items. I wish that instead of just saying new, although this is the new one, I wish they would also say bestseller, like bestseller in this collection or something like that. It's all the way down, I guess, under it says Bergamot. I don't know if those are actually the bestsellers. Maybe it's this Anoiki Cedar. It says bestseller. If that's the bestseller, I'd probably put it at the very beginning because like, that's what people are going to love. Yeah. The other thing I would probably do here is pop, well, I'd possibly put number of reviews to give it more credibility if you have a lot of reviews. If you don't, I'd probably keep it off. Let's see if they've got a lot. Yes, they don't, but yeah, 14 reviews. Okay, yeah, I would keep it off then. Yeah, I would um, also add that the top here where it says new to the PF collection, the hero doesn't really, like the imagery there doesn't really do anything. Makes sense. You know, the product's not even in there. Um, And this is probably an opportunity to showcase. A lot of times, like if if your product is being linked to from a blogger or any sort of press, it usually comes to the collections page. And if this is the what's new collections page, you definitely want to use that opportunity to Educate showcase or, the brand. Um, yeah, right. Exactly. That's so funny. When we started Native, uh, we had a uh, hero image that was just mm-hmm. a bat. We had no product image, uh, uh, like, and certainly nothing in like a setting. So it's just a nice bathroom. That's all yeah. it was. It was just a nice bathroom. There was no Native whatsoever. And you're right, this guy. And like, I felt so ashamed of that. And I was like, I got to work to fix it. You're right. This is a picture of a kitchen and like yeah. uh, kitchen knives. Yep. The other thing is, uh, so it's not super clear here. Uh, what size is what? Because a lot of the images look the same. If you just look at the images, it looks like everything's the same size, but there's a few different sizes here. Um, yeah. And so I think instead of this sort button here, you should actually just have preset sorting options, one being size and one being you know, type of scent. Uh, you could probably even have a sort option for bestsellers because there's you know, like six, six bestsellers here and one for new because you have you know, seven new products. Yeah, that is a great point that they have different sizes. I didn't even realize that. They say 7.2 ounce on some and uh, 12.5 ounces on others. So that is a great point. They should definitely uh, do sizing. They should make sizing clearer. I also don't love add to cart button. Like I always feel like add to cart buttons should be unique colors. Like I want them to stand out. And so I never put them as like the color of like the text font. And here they do. I'm not sure I would have them in black like I have the other font. Yeah, fully agree. They don't really stand out even on the hover. Uh, like if you hover over it. Yeah. The other thing that I wonder if they've tested is a lot of times if a brand is not doesn't have a ton of brand awareness, it's actually better to go to the PDP from the collections page versus forcing an add to cart. Your conversion rate tends to be higher. And so that's probably one thing I'd I'd change here. 
And so if they did that, what should the um, call to action be? Instead of add to cart, it should say view details, view product. Yeah, ex- like, explore say? candle, shop now. Okay, yeah. Um, okay, gotcha. You know, choose scent, choose size. Yeah. And um, then the last okay. thing I'd, I'd change on mobile is the, the spacing is off. So uh, I would just fix the theme so that the products are side by side and the buttons are all the same height. Just because, again, that's yeah. like, you know, you don't want to seem like you're not going to, not trustworthy with a credit card number. Yeah, that's a little true on desktop too. On like um, a couple of the rows where the add to cart button like uh, moves up and down. Like on the third row, at least for me right now, the Italian summer for Lisa says "ga soy candle." The add to cart button isn't on the same like level, and so it does it does make me feel like what's going on here? Okay, totally. let's pull up the PDP really quickly. Um, okay. So I pulled up the Mojave uh, 7.2 ounce soy candle. Uh, get my biggest issue here, right right out of the gate, is again add to cart button is the same color as everything else. It's black. Uh, and it's a little bit small, like the quantity buttons, the quantity on desktop is bigger than the add to cart button, which I don't love. Like, you know, I'd make add to cart button its own color and make it really large. Uh, so it's very clear what you want customers to do. I do like that they did this like scent throw. I don't know what scent throw means, but how strong is it? Like, I I like that they have an idea of like how strong is it? Because that's something that like, you know, haven't been in the deodorant world. Everybody wants to know how strong is a fragrance. I wish they did like a little bit of a meter. And you just like, you know, kept it at a certain spot and uh, said, this is medium. I'm a fan of the product pages. I think they actually have some elements here that are really good. They've got the Fragrance Family Scent Throw and the Grape Four, which I think are three great things to have there. Their third image in their lineup of the carousel, I really like because it, it does a nice job explaining the the scent a little bit better. Then right below that, they've got the how to oh, use yeah. ingredients, shipping and returns. You know, that's all good info. And then they also have this this uh, descriptor of the collection, which I think is cool. I just think they probably could lay this out a little bit better and explain, just relay out the content. It looks like they've got all the right information. And then even up at the top, like where the shop section is uh, or you choose your scent. You know, for example, you click on the scent selector and that's not a branded experience, which I feel like. You know, you want that to be nicely branded. Uh, your add to cart button should be a lot bigger and probably, you know, a different color on the collections page. And then some of the text below, you know, it's hard to read. And I think it could be easier to read and it would probably, it's it's nice copy. Like you, you would want people to read that. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, like, you know, the font is really difficult to read in, and I'm on a massive desktop, like with a huge uh, blow up monitor and I still like have a tough time reading it. So it seems like uh, that's a big miss. And you're like, you know, the other thing is you're right, like the product info, how to use ingredients and shipping and returns are weird tabs and they're weirdly spaced right there. Like if they're centered, center everything. Uh, also, right. I think you're right. And they're like, you know, one of the things that I think uh, you would say here is like, you need more social proof than just this review. Like I would say, totally. have somebody, I'd have a photo of someone smelling it or sitting in the environment or talking about it and saying, hey, this is why I really like using this. I feel like it's missing that element of social proof. I do love that third image of it describing all of the sense. In fact, I wish they would do that. Like, you know, I wish it wasn't the third image. I wish it was like in the PDP, like under the fold, so you could see, okay, what are the scents that I'm actually looking at? One other thing, and I'm not sure how to do this, is when you look and you, when you like try and scroll to a different scent, it basically reloads the page. I don't know how to like avoid doing that. You know, there's some option, like if you go to Amazon and you click a different like scent or something, it doesn't reload the page. Here it does reload the page. I'm not technical enough to understand why that happens, but I think that like it's a much better experience if you could like 
choose a different option, like go from Mojave to Sunbloom without the page reloading and seeing different colors and stuff, if it just updated the images that it needed to and stayed on the same page, my guess would be that would increase conversion as well. That's actually something that with the new Shopify product update in the winter editions, they'd be able to do that. Until now, you have to basically go by scent in this case, and then the variation out of that would probably be size. So in general, they're doing it wrong, but now they can do it right. Um, Okay, I added a Sunbloom 7.2 ounce to my cart. And then, like, you know, the cart, um, it's it's got an upsell, which I really like, which is a a wick trimmer. And, like, the wick trimmer looks pretty cool, too. Like, you know, looks uh, interesting. You know, if someone had this next to a candle, I'd be like, what is this? And try and talk about it. The problem is that the chat with us is lying over the checkout button. Yeah. In fact, I can barely see the checkout button. The checkout button is like, you It doesn't look like a button. Yeah, it's the same as the background color. It's got an amount in it, which is being hidden by the chat with us button. Like, I, I don't know where to click after this. Like, I've added something to my cart, which is now an incredibly valuable customer, and the checkout button is hidden. I've never seen that before, and that is a huge red flag to me. Like, why yeah, would you it ever doesn't hide? even do anything if you hover over it. Yeah, like, yeah. And, you know, it's hard to see it because it's the same as the background. It's just like a black outline, right? Like a frame, a one-pixel frame. Um, yep. And that seems like a big mistake. If I were doing, um, if I were doing this, I'd make sure that chat with us button was gone. I'd make the checkout button bigger again, a different color, so everyone knows what to click. Like every step you want someone to take should be a unique color. Add to cart should be the same as checkout, so people know I need to go from here to here. And it's the same color I'm looking for. This seems like a a, a miss. Uh, the, is this a gift? And then it says, enter your message here. I think that's fine. I still wouldn't hide the checkout button. Like, you know, if you click, is this a gift? And they say, here's the gift message. I still wouldn't hide the checkout button. Like, checkout button. Yeah, same. That. It should always be there. Yeah. In fact, if you don't click it in five seconds, the page should automatically forward to it. <laughs> right. Uh, I don't actually believe that, but I think that'd be fun. <laughs> also adding some social proof around the checkout button, the lock or yeah. the, the checkout secured, something that, just again, reinforces confidence. Yes. You think that should be done on the cart, huh? I always just do it right around the complete purchase, like on the checkout page itself, not on the cart page. But yeah, it's probably a good idea to I put think, it here I think too. both. The other thing that um, that is uh, one of my favorite tricks from the native cart is just putting your discount code in the slide out cart. Don't let people, don't make people wait till shop pay checkout comes through because they don't know that sometimes. Oh, for sure. Uh, and they might bounce if they don't see that. Yeah. Uh, two two things I want to just One is you're absolutely right. Like when we moved from WooCommerce to Shopify, we didn't have the ability to add a discount code into the cart page. And we saw a huge decrease in our conversion rate as a result of the shift from WooCommerce to Shopify until we built that feature and added it back. And there was one time where in WooCommerce, we accidentally hit it and instantly, like, you know, you could, you could put the coupon code on the cart page or the checkout page. And when we mm-hmm. accidentally hit it from the cart page, we instantly saw an increase in CACs and a reduction in conversion rate because people were like, I have a coupon code. I don't know where to put it. I'm on the cart. I'm out. Like it can't just yeah. be on checkout. It has to be on cart as well. That is a great point. I didn't even realize that. The other thing is, you're right. Like, you know, if I were going to put social proof around the checkout page, I'd also put like a return policy. Like, you know, they offer free 30 day returns. Like they should say fast returns, fast, like, you know, easy returns, fast shipping checkout secure. Like they should have those types of badges around checkout to encourage you. And here, instead, they put another button hiding your checkout page. Agreed. 
Okay, well, that's a wrap. Uh, you know, that we went over their uh, homepage, their collections page, their product page, and their, you know, pop out cart. Uh, that's fun to do, though. Like, I really like, you know, it's fun hearing what you have to say about those things. Uh, I know you do this all the time for like a living, and we sort of talk <laughs> about it generically, but it's yeah. really fun to hear you talk about it specifically because I'm like, oh, yeah, I didn't see that. Yeah, maybe what I could do for the next uh, episode, I can come with like 20 easy things that most people could apply to their site and uh, probably see an increase in conversion. I'd love that. That'd be awesome. Cool. All right. Until next time, thanks for joining us for episode eight. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next time to cut through the noise in CPG, retail, and e-commerce. And if you enjoyed this episode, then why not share it with a friend? And be sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss the next one. 